All right. I wanted to do a quick how to talk about basketball. I don't know if the turnip garden knows how to talk about basketball. I don't know if we of the turnip garden come from an athletic stock. I certainly don't. Anytime anyone ever threw a ball at me, I bled. And then I fled. And then, as a nurse bandaged my wounds, I talked to her about basketball. Basketball is great for that. Whenever you're talking to someone who you don't want to talk to, try talking to them about basketball. It doesn't matter who you're talking to. You can be talking to a seven-year-old boy or a 70-year-old man. But if you say to them, I think this is going to be the year for the Knicks, they'll both laugh. That's the power of basketball. Basketball is very powerful. Basketball is very good for bringing people together. It's also great for tearing people apart. I love to tear people apart. That's why people throw basketballs at me, because whenever I talk about basketball, I love to talk shit. Basketball, in many ways, is the last safe space for shit talk. Basketball and athletics in general are the last sector of public discourse where we can really come together and talk shit and no one gets fired from their job or blows up a mosque, you know. It's the last thing like that. You can't talk shit about someone's political beliefs or their god of choice, but you can walk right up to someone whose favorite person in the world is Jason Tatum and say, I think Jason Tatum has a vagina. When I see Jason Tatum play basketball, I think he has vaginas, actually. Not even one. I think he has a couple of vaginas instead of hands, and that is why he struggles so consistently to be effective in the game of basketball. You can say that. You can say nonsense. Vaguely misogynist nonsense. And the person you said that to will say, I'd like to discuss this further. Let's have a beer at my house. You can't do that with anything else. You can't walk up to someone whose favorite person is Joe Biden and say, I think Joe Biden has a vagina. They'd tell you you're a racist. They'd get you fired from your job for being a racist employee. But you're not a racist employee. You're a vague misogynist. There's a difference. There isn't a huge difference. But our indifference to that difference is why public discourse in this country has developed a vagina. I guarantee you that if you walked into work right now and said that the public discourse in this country has developed a vagina, you will be in your car five minutes later with all of your shit in a box. You'll be fired. But if you walk right up to your boss and say that Jason Tatum and the, in fact, the entire constituency of the Boston Celtics, spanning not only every iteration of the team from Paul Pierce to Larry Bird to the legendary Bill Russell, but also a few notable members of the Celtics fan base like Ben Affleck and the Wahlbergs and Jimmy Kimmel bitch ass, all of them have a single vagina that stinks of Sam Adams. You'd not only get a promotion, you would get so many pats on the back that it would give you a broken back. And you would struggle as consistently as Jason Tatum to effectively play the game of basketball. And that's a fact, Jack. You could do that. Anyone could do that. I can't do that. I'm not allowed to talk about basketball at work anymore. My manager warned me about it, but that's not because she's offended by my shit talk. That's because she had a bad experience with basketball growing up. Her dad made her play it. She had one of those dads. When you talk about basketball, 
You hear a lot about basketball dads. It's much ado about dads. You hear a lot about how Michael Jordan's dad was really unsupportive and he told him that he'd never be good at basketball and that made him really good at basketball. Everyone knows that story. At least every dad knows that story. Serena Williams' dad knows that story. They made a whole movie about it. Shaquille O'Neal's father knew that story. That's why every time Shaq missed a layup, his father sprayed him with a hose. And that's great if you grow up to be Shaquille O'Neal. But it's kind of shitty if you grow up to be my manager. Just loafing around a struggling restaurant with the random knowledge that you could post up anyone there. That's all she got from her basketball dad. That and a strong distaste for basketball. My manager's basketball dad coached her basketball team. In fact, he coached both her and her brother's basketball teams so he could tell them both all the time that they'd never be good at basketball. He was super supportive of all the other kids. Why not? He didn't care what happened to them, but he wanted both of his kids to be really good at basketball, so he always made sure to tell them they'd never be good. You ever seen that? The little league coach who's, who, who's nice to every other kid except his kid, just being like, oh, good effort, Trevor. Fuck you, son. You know? Just having the whole team over for dinner every time they win a game, but their kid isn't allowed to come inside until she shoots 50 foul shots. And by the time you've done all that, you know, dinner is cold. That's probably why she works at a restaurant now. Dinner is always hot, or at least it's supposed to be. It's a struggling restaurant. Sometimes dinner is served cold, and then my manager has to apologize to people. Sucks. She should have played basketball. Basketball players don't have to apologize to anyone because they make millions of dollars every year. Shit, maybe her dad should have pushed her harder. But I doubt it, you know? Maybe a little less hard. Sometimes basketball dads can overdo it. It's sort of like being an SAT mom, where you might end up sending your kid to Harvard, but you might end up sending your kid to, like, the bathroom, you know, where he smears shit on the walls. You know what I mean? You know what I mean. Every school had a kid like that. In my school, it was Tommy B. Tommy B wanted to be the valedictorian. I knew that because he'd tell me every day at the nurse's office. You can usually find the shitter in the nurse's office. At least that's where I found Tommy B. Every day Tommy B would walk up to me in the nurse's office and say, I want to be the valedictorian. And I'd say, hey, I want to talk about basketball because I didn't want to talk to Tommy B. Fuck that nerd. But I had to talk to Tommy B because I was always in the nurse's office and I'd call someone a nerd and they'd hit me with a ball and Tommy B was always in the nurse's office because his stomach always hurt because his mother was always telling him to be the valedictorian. Till one day, Tommy wasn't in the nurse's office because that was the day he got a B. And when he got a B, he found out that Becky A was going to be the valedictorian. And when he found out that Becky A was going to be the valedictorian, he went into the bathroom and wrote, Becky A has a vagina on the bathroom wall with his own shit. They wrote about it in the school paper. They called him the fecal matter writer. I remember that because I wrote that article and I read it to the nurse and we made up a little song to the tune of paperback writer that went, Fecal matter writer. Fecal matter writer, yeah! Now none of this has anything to do with basketball, but I say that to say that my manager was getting it too hard at home from her basketball dad. He turned his daughter into the manager at my restaurant, and he turned her poor brother into a fecal matter writer. She told me that the other day. 
I told her, I think this year is going to be the year for the Knicks. And she told me, I don't like to talk about basketball because basketball turned my brother into a fecal matter writer. And I said, fecal matter writer. I'm so sorry. That's awful. And I really felt awful for the manager at my restaurant because I could tell she felt awful all the time. Because life is awful, and it's full of basketball dads taking their awful lives out on their basketball sons who then grow up to be basketball dads who eat at our restaurant and take it out on us. And they make us feel awful. Because we run an awful restaurant, and she has to apologize for our awful staff all the time. It happened the other day. We had a bunch of tourists in from Boston. And I'll say it, we had too many tourists come in from Boston. I'd say that any amount of tourists is too many tourists from Boston, but on this particular day, we had 18 tourists from Boston. 18 people wanted to eat together at once, which is awful. They were there for a birthday party, which is absurd. Who asks 18 people to celebrate their birthday? Could anyone, and I really mean this, could anyone who hears this get 18 people together in a room to celebrate their birthday party. I don't think I could name 18 people in the world. Kanye West, Kim Kardashian, that's it. That's the list. After that, I, it's a couple of the people who work at my restaurant, the starting five of the New York Knicks, and the Queen. And that's a great list. But I wouldn't expect any of those people to celebrate my birthday. Not the case for this particular birthday girl. Birthday woman. This was an adult woman celebrating her birthday. She was a real piece of work. In fact, she was a real piece of work in progress. She had adult braces. She had recent breast implants. She was working on herself, but she was not working on her manners, I'll tell you that. She walked into our restaurant. She looked at our restaurant. The first thing she said when she looked at our restaurant was, Why is this place ugly? I said, I'm not sure. I'll ask my manager. I had to say that because she didn't say, Why is this place ugly? To the 18 people who she walked into the restaurant with. She said it to me. I am perhaps the worst person at the restaurant you could say, Why is this place ugly? To because all the art in the restaurant was made by me. Then she said, how come this music is weird? Now again, that was a particular offense to me because I am from New Jersey and the music which had just started playing was The Best Is Yet To Come by Frank Sinatra. Now the thing about The Best Is Yet To Come by Frank Sinatra is that when it starts playing, it fucking finishes or else The Best Has Yet To Come. That's why it's the first song in my New York, New York playlist. It goes from Frank Sinatra to Ja Rule to Fat Joe. Honestly, it's not appropriate music for work, but the New York Knicks were playing a very important game against the Boston Celtics that night, and I had a lot of money on the game, so I was going to give the boys all the help they could get. That's part of why I was so mad. The men were all wearing Celtics jerseys. In fact, I will now admit, that was the only reason I was mad, because they were all wearing Boston jerseys. The woman's boyfriend told me, we're from Boston. I said, fine. Then he said, it's her birthday. Then I said, fine. Then the woman said, why is the music weird? And once upon a time, some idiot said that the customer is always right. So my manager said that I had to turn off my New York, New York playlist for classic rock radio. And of course that made me mad. 
but it was all just smoke on a fire that had already been burning since the second I bet the Knicks. The thing about betting the Knicks is that you never bet the Knicks. And if you bet the Knicks, you never bet against the Boston Celtics because the Boston Celtics win all the time. For those who don't know, the Boston Celtics have won the NBA Finals 17 times, which makes them the most winning ball club in all of basketball. It also makes them assholes. Watching the Celtics win all the time is like getting kicked all the time in the asshole by a bully, by a big bully. And when you see them kicking ass in the playoffs, it's like finding out that the kid who's been bullying you your entire life has a huge cock. And from the second the birthday Bostonian walked in the door, she began bullying me with her huge cock. When I got to her table, I asked, what'll you have to drink? She said, Sam Adams. I said, I'm sorry, we don't carry Sam Adams. She said, how come? Now, I didn't tell her that we don't carry Sam Adams because we're not in Boston, Massachusetts. And when people here drink beer, they don't like for it to taste like the pickled milk from her poisoned breast. I didn't tell her that because I was at work. So I told my manager that, and my manager told me, maybe I should take this table, it sounds like you're having an episode, and if you actually say anything like that, I'll have to fire you. But I told her, don't worry, because my job was pretty much done over there already. The Bostonians didn't order any drinks, because we didn't have any Sam Adams, and they didn't order any appetizers, because like everyone from Boston, they can sustain themselves for years on past glories alone. Now I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, Turnip, you said these people were bullying you with their big dicks out. It doesn't seem like they've provoked you in any deliberate or meaningful way. And you know what? You're right. But I'll tell you something you don't know. We do sell Sam Adams. I just don't sell Sam Adams to the black Irish grandchildren of Sam Adams when the Knicks are down five. And I'll tell you what else. Everything they did was offensive to me personally. First off, they were from Boston. Second off, they were fancy, but they were not fancy at the same time. I.e., they were from Boston. You could tell they had money, but they didn't like to spend it on food. The women all had fake tits and their boyfriends were all 70, yet they ordered no drinks or appetizers like children at a food court. They were having a big fancy party, but they're having it at our awful little restaurant. They got bad manners. They keep saying everything sucks. This sucks. This art fucking sucks. Where's my fucking food? I bet my fucking food sucks. And that's fine. I don't got a fucking problem with saying fuck. But you can't talk like a street urchin one moment and expect it to be treated like a feudal lord the next. The birthday woman snapped at me and said, fork. So I grabbed her the first fork that I found. And the lady said, did I order a fucking salad? And I said, no, you guys didn't get any appetizers. And she said, then why did you bring me a fucking salad fork? And why is it bent? And it's true. I did bring her a bent salad fork. But here's the thing. The thing about when she snapped at me and said fork is that when she snapped at me and said fork, I snapped too. So when she said, why did you bring me a fucking salad fork and why is it bent? I said, actually, that's a poo fork. Because what the birthday woman did not know was that the New York Knicks were down 10 with 10 minutes left and that I was fucking insane. She said to me, what? And I said, 
You said, I brought you a salad fork. I wish that I had. The truth is, I accidentally brought you my poo fork. And I'm going to need that back. Because you don't want to know what I had to do to get that bend in it. Now that was nonsense, and it's not particularly funny, but that is because this is a true story that happened in the real world that we live in. But the thing about the real world that we live in is that public discourse has developed a vagina. So even though what I said was total nonsense, the birthday woman told my manager that I had to be fired because of it. She said, the waiter is racist. The manager said, what are you talking about? She said, our waiter's been racist to us ever since he found out that we were from Boston. But that's not true. Of course that's not true. I was prejudiced against her since I found out she was from Boston. There is a difference. For starters, these people were all white. They were from Boston. Even their fake tits had been made to look white. That's the difference. It's not a huge difference, but if I can't discriminate against the people of Boston when my Knicks are down 20, I don't want to be in this world. My manager, to my surprise, not only wanted me to stay in this world for reasons which are completely mysterious to me, she wanted me to continue working at the restaurant. Apparently, she'd seen me lose my shit on the birthday woman, and she had a particular empathy for people who snapped in poo-specific scenarios. So she tried to apologize to the party on my behalf. She's a good manager. She puts her people first. And I know it wasn't easy for her to do that, because in order to smooth things over, she had to do the thing she hated most in life. She had to talk about basketball. My manager said, I'm sorry your waiter went insane and ruined your birthday, but you have to understand the Knicks are down 25 with five on the clock. Now the birthday woman was indignant. She started to say, why should I give a shit? But then her 70-year-old boyfriend said, I see. And did he bet the Knicks? My manager said he did bet the Knicks. And the thing about when you bet the Knicks is that you never bet the Knicks. Everyone said that at the same time. Even the birthday woman, who is right to hate me. Children at nearby tables said it, and children in their mother's stomachs who'd not yet had a birthday agreed. So my manager went on. She said, so you see, he's not racist because you're from Boston. He's just crazy. He's so crazy that he bet the Knicks, and he's sorry. He's sorry as someone who bet the Knicks would beat the Celtics. And then the whole crowd went like, oh, oh, you never been against the Celtics. Celtics always win. The birthday woman sucked her adult braces and said, bring his crazy ass out here. So I walked out, and I knew that all I had to do was apologize. I knew that if I wanted to keep my job, I had to bend and kiss their rings like the feudal lords they thought they were. But I also knew that these people were from Boston, and people from Boston have a lot of rings to kiss. Seventeen, in fact, and I imagined kissing the seventeen rings on each of their stubby, freckled fingers, and I didn't know how to do that, and I didn't know how to tell them I was sorry. So instead, I said, do you guys want to talk about basketball? There was more murmuring, talk about basketball. One of the seventy-year-old men said, what would a fucking Knicks fan want to say about basketball? I'm sorry? And everyone laughed. A seven-year-old at a nearby table patted the old man's back and he said, He's sorry, all right. Sorry the Knicks didn't draft Jason Tatum in 2017. And again, everyone laughed. 
the way that everyone has always laughed at the Knicks. So I said, I'd like to talk about Jason Tatum. Because I knew something they didn't know. Because I had been following the game from my phone. So I told them, Julius Randle has gotten hot from three. Julius? said the seven-year-old. And I said, yes. King Julius has gotten hot from three and cut the Celtics' 25-point lead down to five. The birthday woman said, so what does that mean? Her 70-year-old boyfriend replied, doesn't mean anything. That's always been the story with Julius Randle. He's hot for one minute and then cold for three quarters. And I said, yes, King Julius has struggled consistently to be an effective basketball player, but I'd like to talk about Jason Tatum. I'd like to talk about the effect that losing that kind of a lead will have on his psyche. You know, to lose a big lead on a big stage, the biggest. <laughs> oh, Madison Square Garden, the biggest stage in sports. Smack in the center of the greatest city in the world. New York, City of Lights. I wonder, what is going to happen to Jason Tatum when he eats a big lead under those big, big lights? What will happen as he's being smothered by Knicks defense, ranked six overall defensive team in the league, and that big New York spotlight finds him? I wonder if he'll look down at his hands and find that they appear clearer and more vivid than he's seen them ever in his life. They'll certainly appear brighter than he'll have been used to seeing them in that gray, frozen, Dunkin' Donut shit town which for the last five years he's called home. I wonder if he'll see his hands start to shake. Yes, I think they will. I think his hands will quiver and then tremble and then as they convulse in the blinding lights of the Empire State, I think he'll perhaps notice new parts of his hands which he'd never noticed before. Numerous luminous details hitherto undiscovered. Flaps of skin he's never seen. Lips. Perhaps a clitoris. What will happen when he finally realizes that his hands are not hands at all, but two particularly dirty pussies? What will become of the Boston Celtics when the big lights reveal that their entire roster is entirely vaginally handed? I'm worried that what will happen, and I hate to even say this, because I think the team has a bright future under Coach Missoula, but I'm worried that what will happen is that Jason Tatum and the rest of the Boston Celtics will literally go fuck themselves. I'm worried they'll miss plays. I'm worried they'll lose the momentum of the game at hand, no pun intended. And I'm worried that the Boston Celtics will whip out their big Boston dicks and go fuck themselves forever. I hope they don't. And if in fact they do, 
I certainly hope it doesn't cause a chain reaction among the young men of Boston who will by this point no doubt have come to similar realizations about themselves, that every one of them has not one, but many vaginas. I don't want that for Ben Affleck or Donnie Wahlberg. I don't want for Ben Affleck and every other man in Boston, including Jimmy Kimmel, bitch ass, to go fuck themselves. I mean, just think of the women. Think of the pasty Irish women, some of whom have birthdays today. What will become of the women? I suppose they'll all walk through life literally unfuckable and figuratively invisible to the men who have no use for them. And they'll need to make themselves invisible, these women, for fear of the twirling tempest of riotous revelry which the men of Boston will no doubt unleash on the filthy, cobblestone streets of New England once they discover that they no longer need to put up with their wives' seven-hour stories about how their sister thinks she's better than everybody because the guy she's fucking works at BU. I suppose they'll be forced to walk the earth, these women, for whom the earth begins at Quincy Market and ends at that shitty little beach in Revere. Perhaps that's where they'll seek refuge. Life's a beach. Why not spend what's left of your awful life at an awful beach. Why not go there? Why not be of service to the other unsought women of New England and sit with them in the ashy sand and lather their ash-white skin in SPF 5000 to protect them from the light of day which by all accounts they were never meant to see? Why not do that? Because it won't help them? Because the endless tears of the women of Wista will wash the lotion away as soon as it's applied? Well then, why not make a sand castle or something? Because the sand at Revere Beach has more needles than sand? And because as soon as you make a sand castle, its phallic shape will serve as a painful reminder of times forever past and be washed away once again by your endless tears? And then, despondent? You will fall face first onto the beach and your massive fake titties will leave huge craters in the sand, which will then start a chain reaction where all the women around you fall face first onto the beach and their massive fake titties leave huge craters in the needle-riddled sand. It could still be fun. It could even be better than sand castles. You ladies could become the architects of a new phenomenon, sand tunnels. Infinite sad sand tunnels made deeper by the tears of your infinite sadness until the tear-soaked sand around you, like the grief which produced it, swallows you completely and buries you deeper than you thought possible to go. And these tunnels, these intricate, infinite tunnels, will sink all the way to the center of the earth and astound the societies who discover them a thousand years from now, in which time you'll still be alive, pickled in a cocoon of residual Sam Adams sweat, your skin whiter than ever, which will astound the gray aliens who unearth you and cause them to shout, Who are you? From where did you come? To which you'll reply, I'm from Boston. Who the fuck are you? Causing the aliens to say, Where was Boston? And you'll say, It's where the Celtics won 17 rings. What, you never heard of them? And the aliens will say, Never. Now, I'd like to adjust one part of this story. I've been saying you a lot, as though the gray aliens will be talking to you. That's not right. 
The aliens won't be talking to you personally because you'll be a little deeper in the ground. Because while the other women of Boston will have sunk to the center of the earth under the weight of their massive tears and their massively fake titties, you'll have been able to dig yourself a little deeper. Because as a special present for your birthday, I'm gonna let you keep my poo fork. And it's got a little bend in it that's gonna help you get deeper than you ever thought you could go, bitch. But, and there's a but, in the off chance that the gray aliens kept my great, 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 great grandson alive as a specimen, I want you to do me a favor. I want you to give that poo fork to him. But whatever you do, don't tell him how I got that bend in there. But if he's anything like me, he's gonna like that bend. And if he's anything like me, he's gonna use that poo fork. He's gonna use that poo fork while he watches whatever's left of the New York Knicks shit on whatever is left of the Beijing Celtics. Because to borrow an expression from the legendary crooner who once called their city home, when it comes to the New York Knicks, the best is yet to come. So the birthday girl was pretty pissed. So was my manager, frankly, because now it seemed like we'd both be fired. We all just kind of sat there in silence. Actually, it wasn't silence, because classic rock radio was playing. So we all kind of sat there in worse than silence until the birthday girl's 70-year-old boyfriend spoke up and broke the worse than silence. He said, wow, that's a lot. You know, it's too bad they don't sell Sam Adams here. Because I'll tell you what, I'd like to have a beer with you and discuss this further. And I said, I'm going to tell you two things you don't know. One, we do sell Sam Adams. Two, I just got a Google alert on my phone. Nick's one by two. When I said that, I felt like I had won. I don't know much in this world, but I know that I gave my boys all the help they could get. But I didn't get to celebrate very long, because when I told them that we sold Sam Adams, the birthday girl snapped. She made a beeline towards the kitchen. I thought she was leaving out the back, so I turned back on my New York, New York playlist. Paperback writer had been playing on the classic rock station. And just as the song was replaced by Frank Sinatra, the birthday Bostonian came out the bathroom with a salad fork in one hand and her own shit in the other. She threw it right at my head. I was scared because this woman was from Boston and I knew that a single shit particle from her contained enough residual Sam Adams residue to give me alcohol poisoning on contact. But as the ball of shit spiraled towards my face, from the corner of my eye, I saw the manager of my restaurant leap up with perfect form to reject the shot. Clean block. That bitch could ball. The police arrested the birthday girl and her entire party, but I decided not to press charges. I mean, fair is fair. I pretty much ruined her birthday. But also, she's an adult, so I didn't care about that. Yeah, you had an awful birthday. Life's awful. And you know what else? Yours is gonna end a day sooner than yesterday. B.
be sad about that. But I wasn't sad about anything that had gone down. That's what I told the police. However crazy shit got towards the end, at the end of the day, we were just talking sports. They let the Bostonians off with a warning. In retrospect, I wish we'd done more because later I saw on the news that those crazy Bostonians burnt down a mosque. Very Catholic Bostonians, also very racist. But I don't like to weigh in on the big topics like that. At the end of the day, I just want to talk basketball.